Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to the Poker Face Recap Podcast, where every week I dive into the world of the hit Peacock TV series, Poker Face. I'm your host, Ray Taylor, and I'm excited to break down each episode of this character-driven murder mystery series. No bullshit. So sit back, relax, crack open a tall can of your favorite beer, and let's get started on this wild ride with Charlie Kale as she solves murders across the United States. This episode, episode 8, season 1, titled The Orpheus Syndrome. This episode aired February 23rd, 2023, directed by our hero, Charlie Kale, a.k.a. Natasha Leone herself. Written by Ryan Johnson, Natasha Leone, and Alice Jew. Guest stars is Nick Nolte, Cherry Jones, Luis Guzman, Rowan Blanchard, and Tim Russ. Uh, the overall highlights of this, the summary of this episode, a, a special effects artist unearths a past project to find closure from the guilt of a fatal onset accident. When old demons resurface, Charlie is left to unravel a new deadly plot. Before I get into the events of this episode, I want to say up top, by far, my favorite episode. Maybe second to the first, I think it's even better than the first episode, which I would I would consider the very first episode to be the best so far. Uh, but this one is equal to that, if not better. I love this episode, uh, and uh, it's uh, a great, a gr- like. Also, the last episode, not having any murder, not having any dead bodies. This episode more than makes up for that. The body count in this episode is by far the largest. I don't think there is, I mean, the first episode, there were two dead bodies, right? Her friend, Natalie, and her shitbag husband, right? Those two people died. No, I guess there were three bodies, because then uh, the junior jumped, killed himself, which this episode, kind of similar. So there's, uh, you know, similarities. I would say stylized, stylistically, this, this episode, by far my favorite. I have a lot. This episode's great on a lot of different levels, but let's get into this episode. We are now in New York, so she's back in New York. She was in Tennessee, back to New York. I have a feeling maybe this episode was supposed to go in around the dinner theater episode, which was also New York, but who knows? I don't know how much they're actually thinking about the route Charlie is taking as I am. Uh, But she went from New York doing the dinner theater down to Tennessee for the race car thing. And now she's back up in New York. Uh, Which this episode opens, you have this old couple, old man and woman. I, you know, we find out that they're a married couple. Um, In some like giant, not a giant, but in like a very nice house on some hills. It almost looked like it could be L.A., Considering this has to do with the film industry, but this is New York. Really great house. They're having some kind of argument, and you see the man who's like kind of doubled over 
throws himself off the, jumps to his death below off the balcony, right? So one one body so far, right? Let the bodies hit the floor. That dude hit the floor. Um, and we don't really know. We, we get context to that scene later. Uh, cut to Nick Nolte playing the character of Arthur, who's setting up some cool kind of surreal figures, some models that he's using for a film. So kind of small miniature models of these like little figures, like a guy with a camera for a head, almost another guy with like seemingly like a spacesuit on with a uh, light bulb for uh, a head or a face. Um, and just like some weird kinds of creatures that he's make using to make like a movie, right? Three headed monster, uh, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, He's visited by the old woman from before we learn her name is Laura from the opening. Uh, and uh, he's a guy who left the industry. Clearly, they work together. He he says he left because he likes, you know, the industry went CG. He prefers getting his hands dirty, working with real effects and she kind of looks around his studio space where he's making these films and very impressed by his work. And she asks, she asks him if we can be forgiven by the dead, right? Which we find out later. There's more dead bodies than the one we saw at the opening of this. And he answers, no, the best we can do is forgive ourselves, right? Both seem like they have regret over some deaths, right? Obviously, we know she probably does and she tells him she wants uh she was going to divorce max uh and that things between them got really bad so maybe that's what it was she she starts to um or she says they started to fight and that kind of led him to jumping in her words and she's begging arthur to make her a lifelike bust of max they have a certain term for it in this episode. I don't know what they call it, but she wants a lifelike bust of Max for her to be able to beg him for forgiveness, right? She needs this kind of this figure in order to get some kind of closure for herself. Cut to two weeks later at her home, that same kind of house in the hills. And uh, she gets this giant case delivered. And inside the case is this like hyper realistic bust of max like unlike all the other kind of figures that were in his studio this is hyper realistic from like the chest up looks like the dude max that that killed himself threw himself off the balcony and she cries and tells the bust that she's sorry cut to a flashback to their argument her and max laura and max's argument um and he saw footage of something she did 40 years earlier and threatens to take that footage to the police. She accepts his decision, but interrupts by there's interrupted by a tea kettle going off, whistling in the kitchen. Uh, she asks if anyone else has seen the footage. Uh, and he says, no, he wanted to show, you know, let her know before. Uh, but tells her that she should tell Arthur before it comes out. He should know about this footage. He should know the truth before this comes out. Uh, and then we see the poison from the tea that they were drinking, from that tea kettle, kicking in. 
Right? That's why she asked, has anybody else seen this evidence that you're talking about? And she tells him there's nothing he can do, right? Just let it happen. It's already too late. By the time you feel the effects, it's too late. The poison's already sunken in, right? You can't do anything. Just let it happen. Close your eyes and drift away, right? And that's why when we saw him at the beginning, he was kind of hunched over, grabbing his chest because he had been poisoned. So he goes outside to the porch and um, he tells her to look into his eyes and remember this, right? Remember this face because I will haunt you, lady. And then he jumps over the side, right? And I assume part of him jumping over the side was if this is a suicide, maybe they would search for see if there were any substances maybe i don't know i don't i don't really know right maybe trying to get investigation see if they could find out that he was poisoned but or just wanting to to haunt her dreams but all she cares about is destroying whatever evidence it is that he has on film and in digital footage in digital form And she's married, so she has all of his passwords, which he says, you know, once the poison started kicking, he's like, it's it's all password protected. What are you going to do? She's like, silly, we've been married forever. I have all your passwords. Right? Cut to back inside where she's kindly, calmly takes his laptop out of his briefcase, and she logs in with his passwords, but come to find out they need a second two-factor authentication. They need voice uh, face recognition and of course probably why he threw himself over actually is so that she couldn't just use his face right he wanted probably to land face first in that rock uh so the score of this episode very is great very old school kind of murder mystery alfred hitchcock style like a lot of this very much that kind of vibe which i love like this is definitely like an episode that is not only about people who make movies but also an episode that really there was like clearly natasha stepped up as far as bringing a style to this episode that is different than and unique than every other episode so i appreciate that and then you find out that is why she wanted that hyper-realistic bust of Max. That's why she went to Arthur to get that bust. Not to beg for apology from Max, but to use the hyper-realistic face to unlock the second, the two-factor authentication, the the face recognition. So super inventive, kind of a... you know, one of many twists, one of many reveals in this episode. And I'm thinking like, well, she could have also just destroyed the laptop. But the reason why she doesn't, we find out later, is because she also wants the film. She sees, she wants to see the video file. Each digital copy is labeled with the real number that is archived in there they run a production studio that arthur used to be a part of and she wanted to know what that reel was so that she can destroy the hard evidence as well not just the digital evidence so 
despite me going, well, why didn't she just destroy the laptop? She, she wasn't, her job wasn't done. She still needed to do her dil- due diligence to uh, destroy the actual footage. And when she, she calls, right, calls, like, I need you to get me all the reels of footage from da-da-da-da-da, right? She wants to, and then she has, like, this look of relief on her face, right, of accomplishment, right? I did it. I succeeded. I covered this up. Clearly, whatever, we still haven't seen what she did on this in this footage, but th- we will. But that's clearly, as the, the description of this episode said, there's this murder from 40 years ago that happened. Cut to, of course, as always, our hero, Charlie, working at a barber shop, uh, surrounded by bullshit. Stories, bullshit stories being told, people bullshitting. I mean, dudes around dudes can't do anything honest or truthful. That is just steeped in bullshit. And uh, her working at this barbershop, she has developed being bombarded by bullshit, constantly surrounded by it. She's developed an actual twitch when people bullshit. And that little aspect, the twitch, comes back beautifully. It's a great little addition that for her character to show that, she no- that she's noticing bullshit without actually calling out bullshit in some episodes it was just a subtle look on her face when she noticed people bullshitting but now that there is an actual physical tick that we see when she hears bullshit it is shown perfectly in this episode but setting that up is her working at this uh barber shop and she's given she's the owner pays her to go deliver a bag of hair to somebody we find out is Arthur which makes sense he's making models of course he needs human hair um <clears throat> so on her way out Maury Povich is on the TV in the barber shop and it's one of the episodes where it's the paternity test episodes and as she's leaving she's saying he's not the father and uh, of course when you find out that the guy is not the father uh we hear the owner say that she gets it right every time obviously uh so great little opening to our hero charlie kale uh she pulls up to arthur's barn slash studio which is a great space i would love to have a i've always dreamt of uh having studio space or workspace in like a barn like a big open space high ceilings maybe a loft Right, I guess I've kind of gotten that dream has come reality living in a garage, but still that barn setup is is kind of uh, it, it, like the it's like the romantic fantasy ideal workspace that I would love to have. You know, have my podcast studio stuff set up over there, have my art studio stuff set up over there, have just big open spaces to work on different projects or whatever. Anyway, she pulls up to Arthur's spot. And she sees monster creations in the window, right? And uh, when he comes out, she asks what he does. She can't help but ask. She's like, I noticed these things. She's like, what do you do? And Arthur's like, normally I would love to talk about what what I do, but I just buried uh, an old friend today. So this is the day of Max's funeral. And you see his hands shaking as he's 
taking a, a swig of whiskey. Um, and despite the bad news, Charlie is happy to finally hear something honest for a change. <laughs> like, oh, it's like refreshing. Finally, I'm not twitching. I'm not surrounded by bullshit. Like, she appreciates honesty uh, so much. And uh, she offers to give him company if he wants it. Right? She doesn't know how he grieves. Uh, but offers to hang out with him. Because she's not in any rush to get back to the Twitch fest that is the the bullshit factory of barbershop of the barbershop. So, and he doesn't care. And again, Charlie's like, yes, you don't care. This is great. Uh, she grabs the whiskey and takes a swig herself. Cut to them both drunk, laughing, hanging out, right? As Arthur's kind of telling her old stories and showing her around the studio. Uh, and she's relieved that he's not a serial killer with the, you know, wanting to get the hair, and he's like, well, if I was a serial killer, I wouldn't need the hair. She's like, ah, maybe you're a serial killer for bald people. Right. And they both have the, of course, Charlie raspy voice, Nick Nolte raspy voice. I would love to see a show of them as like a father daughter would be great. Or I don't know how the age did, but they they clearly sound like they're related they have very similar raspy destroyed voices and uh you, it's really noticeable in this scene when they're just kind of hanging out and they have a great like chemistry there's a great back and forth they're great buddies right uh and he asks if she needs a cab because they're both drunk she says no nah, i got my car out front he's like you're not gonna drive are you and she's like no nah, i'm just gonna sleep in my car and he's like well i've got a up in the loft up there, I've got a, a cot if you want to crash here. Right? And she offers in that moment to uh, be his assistant. It's like, you looking for an assistant? Listen, I, I, if, you, if you are, right, I need you to pay cash. You're more than welcome to underpay me, right? And, she's, and he's like, sure, let's do this. Uh, and she loves it, right? Obviously, probably the best gig she's gotten on this whole journey she gets to work with a guy that she enjoys hanging out with that's refreshingly honest, that does this cool, interesting thing. They share the same voice, uh, it's, uh, and they, they both enjoy a, a drink of the whiskey as well. Uh, and in that moment, she almost has, like, Garth vibes from Wayne's World. It's very, like, her hair, the kind of when she's the drunk kind of vibe that she's putting off, very much Garth from Wayne's World vibes. Uh, cut to a week later, you see Arthur editing a film, and Charlie asks uh, about one of the sculptures that he has, like that he's been working on, and it's like this bearded head with something growing out of the the top of the head, not hyper realistic in any way, very very kind of rough and amateur kind of looking type of a thing, very different from the Max type of thing. And he said it's called The Orpheus Syndrome. It's a non-narrative film is what he's working on, right? Also the title of this episode. Uh, and she offers to make him a jelly sandwich, which is like, who eats? It's like she's got like this slice of bread that's like full of, like full of jelly, right? Like full of jelly. Come to find out that it wasn't jelly in the refrigerator. It's actually fake blood, which costs more than real blood. 
but it doesn't phase her. She takes a giant bite out of it anyway. Drips, a glob of it drips onto the Orpheus Syndrome head, right? And this dude, super forgiving. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll fix that up. Cut to the scene from the beginning when Laura shows up because in that moment, Laura shows up. So Charlie goes up to kind of uh, hide out, right? It's like not to disturb anything. So this time we see Charlie was watching this conversation where Laura's begging Arthur to make this statue. Uh, and when she says that she wants the statue to beg for forgiveness, Charlie calls bullshit. She's like, that's not what you want that, right? And now it seems that Charlie's eye twitch, right? You see that this kind of in that moment, you see that not only does she call out bull bullshit, but the eye twitch thing, right? It's shows telling you this is the tell. This is when she spots bullshit. And again, sound of a tea kettle interrupts their conversation. Let's take a quick break from this episode because I want to talk about, are you looking to add some unique and expressive artwork to your home, office, or wardrobe? Look no further than the Many Faces series by Ray Taylor. That's me. These abstract paintings on paper explore the endless possibilities of the human face, capturing unique expressions of emotion, mood, tone, and energy in just a few minimal features. Now you can bring these stunning and thought-provoking pieces into your own space with high-quality prints and t-shirts, featuring designs from the Many Faces series. Or take home a one-of-a-kind original piece for your collection. Don't miss out on this opportunity to add some original and expressive artwork to your home, office, or wardrobe. Head on over to InspiredDisorder.com to browse and purchase original artworks, prints, and t-shirts from the Many Faces series today. And now, back to the show! Uh, and as Laura leaves, Arthur tells Charlie that uh, he'll never need her full time for or she's going to need her he's going to need charlie full time for a few weeks while he works on this statue this bust of max so and charlie tells arthur that he she noticed that she was lying about everything she said right and he's like knowing that she lost her husband they just buried him like a week ago right he's not really concerned about what she might be lying about or what that might mean right just knowing that they're both kind of mourning this loss um or at least he assumes obviously laura is mourning this loss uh cut to arthur telling charlie a story about how uh they all knew each other right as they're working on this statue of max it's it's bringing up like she's like who is this guy they also you used to work together so she's finding out the details of that right that he was directing his debut film right a creature feature and the actress in the film died on set right so now we know we kind of know what that footage was like oh it's about this woman dying on set and but we don't know what happened we don't know the the obviously laura is involved in some way but we're given a little bit another piece of the puzzle that somebody died and it's clear that laura is trying to cover up whatever is on this footage and also 
Arthur taking the fall. He t- he felt responsible for it. He was the director, right? Right. They had this button set up for the shoot for her to push the button that would would turn on a red light that would indicate that she needs help. They would stop production and bring her out until she's okay and shoot again. And they were having a lot of issues. She kept pushing the button. She kept having issues. They kept having to stop production. It was just like really slowing down production and he blames himself thinking that she pushed herself past trying to please him because he was so angry that she ended up doing what she couldn't do right but also kind of a convoluted system in order to call for help uh like you're gonna push a button that button's gonna turn on a light bulb over there like kind of a convoluted system for indicating you need help but Obviously, it makes sense for where this this thing goes. And all the while, while he's saying this, he's working on the bust of Max. Um, and he's telling her, you know, she kept having problems over and over. Everyone was frustrated. Uh, until the last take, it all went well. But of course, by the end, she was dead. They pulled her body out. There was no light. And Arthur believes that it was, it was, he blames himself. So for 40 years, he has blamed himself for this woman's death. That we know is Laura's response. Like, we don't know why, but it's assumed Laura did something that led to this woman dying, this actress dying, and had no problem with letting Arthur bear the weight of that for the rest of his life. 44 decades. I don't know if they, maybe three decades. I don't know how long they had been working. It was his debut film. And in that moment, Charlie shares with him talking about her friend Natalie, right? How she has similar regrets, thinking there may have been some kind of way she could have saved her. And just like Arthur, who walked away from making films, at least in that way, Charlie had to walk away from her life. Obviously, different circumstances, kind of on the run. But both people feel, blame themselves on some level for the death of this person. So just another reason these two people are bonding, right? And she can't help but play the events over and over on in her head. And Arthur again says he doesn't think the dead can forgive us. And Charlie calls bullshit, right? And she's like, why else would you make this movie the Orphean Syndrome? Right? That's what it's all about. And she starts breaking down what all these surreal characters mean. What they symbolize. And of course, the guy with the director head. The monster with the light bulb, right? The light bulb that didn't go off. You have the the three-headed monster, which is like you find out are like the faces of the producers, right? And it's it's like this redemption story to try and save that woman who died. Which is nice that Charlie, I think it's the first time she's mentioned Natalie in any of the episodes. And kind of sharing in some way, being able to share, I'm sure because she doesn't want people to know about her past, trying to keep that a secret. But 
it's also she met somebody that has gone through similar events. So Arthur calls his buddy Raul, who works at like the archive at the production company, right? And he calls to get the film reels pulled from the, the day the tragedy happened, right? And Raul comes over, delivers the film, right, which is Luis Guzman, uh, delivers the film. At the same time, Charlie is loading up her car with the bust of Max to take to Laura. So when Laura called to get that film, the film wasn't there. Because she she hasn't even gotten the, the bust yet. So Arthur has the film. So we just didn't see that part of it. So Charlie goes, delivers the case to Laura's house. Her driveway is like this gravel driveway, this decorative gravel. Which for, Laura, for Charlie, who's a small woman, and this case, which is a massive case, has wheels on it. But wheels don't. Wheels are actually even worse on gravel because they just sink into the gravel. And it's just adding to the difficulty of trying to get this thing delivered to Laura. But uh, so she delivers the case to Laura. Um, and then we see Arthur starting to review the film from that day. Reel to reel on his editor going through the film. Uh, and we see how much of an asshole he was during the filming. And we see a, a young Laura unscrew the light bulb that they used to signal when the actress needed help. So that's why the light bulb didn't go off. The actress was probably tapping the button. Light bulb was never going off because Laura disabled it, right? Cut to Laura making that call after she unlocked the laptop and deleted the, the thing, only to find out that the film was already taken. And she finds out that Arthur is the one that took the film. And Raul's all nervous, obviously. She owns the production company. Raul is doing the favor for Arthur. And uh, Raul's all nervous and says he'll go get it right back from Arthur and hopes that, hopes that she's not mad. Then the doorbell rings, and she tells Arthur, just forget it. Just forget I ever called, okay? And we see it's Arthur at her door, right? So in that same day, right bust delivered him reviewing the film finding out it's her shows up at her door cut to later that night they're both sitting outside around a, a little fire right a little gas fire pit whatever and arthur's telling laura that he spent his whole life thinking that he killed this girl arthur's way too way too forgiving <laughs> like we saw i mean it's one thing when charlie is eating his expensive fake blood but also dripping it over one of his models that he's using for a movie forgiving in that way which is fine but then like confronting laura saying telling her that he spent his entire life 40 years thinking that he killed this girl right really seeing how evil Laura is. And she's sorry that she disabled the light. Not really about killing the actress. She's like, I'm sorry that I is re I'm responsible. She doesn't say that. She's, I'm sorry for disabling the light. And she's not sorry for Arthur 
blaming himself for his entire life. Like she's very specific about what she's sorry about. Right? Then she goes into complaining about the actress, complaining about the movie budget and the funding, right? Trying to excuse her choice, uh, her choices, regardless of right, the life that was lost, right? Really trying to justify what she did. And Arthur asks if Max had seen the evidence while he was digitizing the film. You know, he's also holding the film. We all see that Arthur is actually physically holding the film in his hands. Uh, and I'm hoping this whole time, like, dude, I'm hoping that it's not the actual film. I'm hoping that this fire that's in front of him isn't going to be the final resting place for this film. Right. Because they just happen to be sitting around a fire at night. And she finally apologizes for him carrying this burden his whole life. But also says that she's carried it too, you know. <laughs> she 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 did it all for you boys, right? So they could make their monster films, right? Still acting as if she's doing everyone a favor, right? I really like this type of character. This great writing in this episode because she is there is a type of person that is like just super narcissistic and like will will try to excuse their disgusting behavior and even go so far as to act like they are doing you the favor like you should be thanking them for doing these horrible things uh just acting like the hell that they made your life is uh, actually doing them a favor. Like, you should be thankful that your life has been hell. It's ridiculous. And then also attacking him, saying, you guys knew what I was doing, right? Not taking blame, trying to justify what she did, and then trying to blame them as if they told her to kill this woman. And then we see Arthur take a sip of tea. I'm like, no, no. I'm like, she better not have poisoned this tea. Right? Then Arthur asks if she had anything to do with Max's death. Right? And she says, he jumped right in front of me. Right? Like he wanted to punish me. Right? She's the victim. You guys knew. You knew I was doing this because of the budget. It's all your fault. He wanted to punish me. Victim, victim, victim. I'm the victim. Even though she's like, bodies. Poisoned Max. Killed the actress. Probably killed Arthur. Right? Poisoning Arthur as we speak. Then Arthur says no one will see the footage and throws the reel in the fire. I'm like, Arthur, you are too much of a good guy. This is not what you should be doing. Why are you doing this for her? She made your life hell. 40 years of your life. More than half of your life. No way Nick Nolte's 80 years old. Right? Probably two-thirds of your life blaming yourself for a murder that she is responsible for. That she is still trying to excuse. She is still trying to blame you. 
and you throw the evidence, the last piece of evidence in the fire. But there's still part of me that's like, there's no way, like either it was not the reel of film, right? He just wanted her to think it was or something else, right? She thanks him and just says sorry again, which the way she says sorry really, really indicates that she poisoned him. Like, well, I didn't think you were going to do that, so I'm sorry about what's going to happen to you, right? But he leaves. He gets up and leaves, right? And the camera focuses on the teacup. Obviously, her main, main like, way she likes to kill people is with some poisonous tea. So cut to him driving home. And of course, he starts to doze off behind the wheel. And Laura, looking at the film in the fire, kind of suspects that it might not be the real deal. And then, for some reason, the film isn't burning or melting. Uh, but she picks the the film out of the fire and she's looking at it you can see a little piece of tape which i don't know how much people would know but i used to be a projectionist tape usually indicates uh i mean tape the usually tape when you splice film the tape extends just slightly you can see it poking out and you see in this reel that it's been spliced something's spliced out so i'm thinking it's the real real, but the the footage has been uh, has been removed. Somehow Arthur makes it home. He's like laying down in his driveway when Charlie pulls up. And Charlie, who is doing grocery shopping, calls an ambulance and leaves. Obviously, she doesn't want to be around when the cops show up. Uh, but hopefully she's hopeful that somebody can get there to save him. And she sees when she's like bent down, seeing if he's okay, right next to his car. He sees that in his tires, I think his truck, in the tread of his truck tires is the same rocks, same type of gravel that's in Laura's driveway. And she leaves. Cut to Laura on the phone saying that Arthur always had heart problems, right? It's the next day. So clearly he died. She's like excusing his death. It's like, well, he had heart problems. This is this is horrible. And she acquires about getting all of his possessions out of the studio, right? She wants well, whatever evidence is there. She she thinks she assumes that footage is cut out still there somewhere in his in his home. So she's like, I want all of his stuff. And while she's on the phone, she's looking out her window. She sees Charlie in her like in her driveway, inspecting the gravel in the driveway. Right, our hero is hot on the case, and she's Laura. She, Charlie sees Laura has spotted her. She comes out. Laura comes out. Charlie introduces herself and tells uh, that uh, she was like Laura's pissed. She tells her that she was Arthur's assistant, right? And Charlie mentions how sudden his death was uh, and how he never left the house. This dude never left the house. I was his assistant. He never left. So it was weird because it looks like maybe he had come here, 
right? Because some of your gravel was in his his thing. And by far, I mean, out of all these episodes, whenever Charlie is confronting somebody with information, she is pretty blunt. So this is by far the most subtle Charlie has been when she's approached somebody. And Laura, like, invites her in. It's like, oh, don't drink the tea, Charlie. Don't drink the the tea. While they're in their living room, she's like, she says that Arthur did come over. And she's glad that he did because she was able to say goodbye, see him one last time and say goodbye, right? And says that he wanted to talk about Max and the past. And Charlie just wants to know if Arthur at least got some peace before he died, right? Because Charlie knows how he blamed himself for the tragedy and also not knowing that... uh, Charlie doesn't know that he discovered the truth, but at least like hoping that he got some closure to the pain that he was suffering with for his entire life. And Laura says that she feels he was able to let go, right, of of punishing himself. And the whole time I'm waiting to see Charlie's face twitch, right? We know this new tell. And so far Laura's doing good saying all of the truths not lying she is you know she's been hiding this forever of course she's she knows you know the best kinds of lies are just the lies of omission until that is until laura's walking charlie out the front door and for some like everybody in this show they they just divulge a little bit too much they give Charlie just a little bit too mu- little bit more rope than is needed and go a little bit too far that only like triggers Charlie's inquisitive mind. Cuz Laura starts going on about the bust of Arthur and uh that or the bust Arthur made of Max to say that, you know, how it was a release of her to say uh you know, she wasn't responsible for his death like her being able to to forgive um, or to beg for forgiveness. She wasn't responsible for his death. And in that moment, we see the twitch. We see one of many twitches finally from Charlie. It's like, oh, you you were responsible for his death. And you see Charlie's energy completely change. And as Laura goes to close the door, Charlie keeps it open, holds it open. And Charlie, again, highlights the lie, getting her to confirm. She's like, did I hear that right? Saying that she wasn't responsible for Max's death, and she asks her to repeat it again. Uh, And she says, you know, Max's death wasn't her fault, Twitch. Arthur's heart problem just caught up with him, Twitch. Neither were a result of her actions, Twitch. I didn't kill them, Twitch. Right. Charlie is being bombarded with the the realization that this woman is not only responsible for Max's death, she's responsible for Arthur's death. She killed both of them. Right. Almost giving Charlie seizures with seizures with the amount of twitching going on. Right. Her mind. Charlie's mind is blown. Her mouth is agape. And Laura, noticing, asks if she's okay. And Charlie, kind of a bit bewildered, just like, yeah, I'm fine. 
Let's take a quick break right now to talk about, are you a fan of original artwork and live events? Look no further than the Many Faces series by Ray Taylor and the weekly live stream over at youtube.com slash inspired disorder. This ongoing series explores the endless possibilities of the human face through abstract ink paintings on paper, capturing unique expressions of emotion, mood, tone, and energy in just a few minimal features. Join me every Thursday at 4.20 Pacific Time as I paint live. Follow the Many Faces series and discover the endless possibilities of the human face. Don't miss out on this opportunity to be part of the action and own a piece of original artwork by me, Ray Taylor. Head to youtube.com slash inspired disorder every Thursday to catch the live stream and visit inspireddisorder.com to browse and purchase the many faces artwork. And now let's get back to the show. Cut to Charlie pulling back up to Arthur's studio where we see Raul is there coming out saying hi. Cut to Charlie kind of just unloading everything she knows to Raul, trying to explain kind of how she knew she was lying um and he compares it to like women's intuition she's like no it's it's a little bit different than that um and then she asks why he's there and finds out that he was getting the film that laura had asked for that arthur right so now charlie knows that film is there's proof somewhere um Raul just thinks it's a coincidence, but Charlie starts to put the pieces together and she finds out the footage is of the tragedy that happened 40 years ago. And as they look for the digital copy, because Raul's got a computer, he's like, let me look it up on the, uh, the cloud server. They see that that digital file happens to be missing. There's one missing and they have the film can that's labeled, but the film can is empty. Just then, Laura shows up with a giant moving truck, right, ready to take everything, right? Laura wants all the film packaged separately. She wants someone uh, in there. She knows somebody is in there with them, and Raul decides to show himself, right? He's supposed to be there, so he comes clean. And uh, Raul immediately questions her about the missing film. He's got the cancer. He's like, what about this, right? And she says, Arthur came by the house and burned it. True. While this is happening, Charlie is watching again up in the, the loft or hiding behind something. Right? Then she says, it was all destroyed. Bullshit. So it wasn't all destroyed. She tells Raul to get back to the basement archives. Charlie realizes in that moment that she cut or that Arthur cut the portion out of the film. Um, and as they're loading everything up in this, you know, the loading this giant Medusa head, uh, Charlie notices on the Medusa head that part of the decoration is film kind of wrapped around woven in with the snake, the snakes on the Medusa head, right? Cut to Laura at home, burning all of the film that, that was bagged up separately, throwing it into the fire. And she's on the phone planning some kind of memorial for Arthur and Max at the production house. And then while the movers are at the production house unloading everything from the truck that, that Arthur had, we see Charlie is hiding under some like horse head costume, 
right? Very Trojan horse style. Cut to Laura and security guards telling Raul, right, going to his desk down in the basement that he's fired uh, for letting Arthur take out the film. And as the as security is about to escort him out, uh, they get a call that a horse is round, a Charlie horse, if you will, is loose on the premises. Cut to Charlie walking down this hallway with this giant horse head on her. And it's like a suit kind of a thing. It's got a little tail sticking out the back. Her arms are sticking out the side, right? Looking through all the statues, the figures that are being put on display for this this uh, event. She's not finding the Medusa head. Uh, as she leaves, she sees it, but it's also when Laura and the security guards catch her, uh, asking who she is. She kind of peeks out the armhole. Uh, and she ends up getting escorted out. As Charlie's walking around the building later that evening, she runs into Raul, who has his box of possessions from his desk being fired, loading into his car. And she tells him that she found the film. She knows where it is. And uh, she notices she was fired. Uh, and he's okay. He's like, I don't care. She's She murdered somebody right and he still has his key card chances that they've deactivated it not likely right so they sneak in as laura is giving kind of an awkward speech about hoping they would understand that she'd uh what like hoping that arthur and max would understand what she did to keep the company alive right kind of confessing in a lot of ways unburdening herself of these things that she thinks that she's you know ex that she's burned all the proof she can't be pinned for it so in some ways she's kind of letting that go and in the crowd she sees arthur turns out to be some other old guy that just looks similar but she's starting to kind of hallucinate her brain is is you know kind of getting back at her uh then she brings up the actress who died just out of nowhere uh, and how she thought that was going to be the end of the company. Then she sees Charlie and Raoul walking through the crowd, right, as Laura starts to kind of just stutter and drift off. She's clearly losing it doing this speech up on the stage. And as they play, they have this promo memorial video thing about the company and about Max and Arthur. Um, Laura gets off the stage to go look for them. Uh, can't find them, returns to the stage. Uh, and while this video continues, a second image is being projected now on that same screen. And of course, it is the footage. And just to nitpick on a realistic basis, uh, you know, this footage is just constantly repeating. I don't know how, I mean, I guess you could have somehow splice it together in a loop and thread it through a projector and it would kind of just go through um but anyway so this packed room is now seeing the footage of from 40 years ago of laura unscrewing the light bulb over and over again and she's trying desperately to turn it off right Laura then runs off through the figures. She sees the bust of Max. That's kind of the feature piece in this little gallery of figures from Arthur's place. And she sees them all 
as she's going through these figures, she sees them all kind of come to life. And it's a great scene where you're seeing like this great stop motion of these characters coming to life. You have this like super like fish eye view of Laura's face as she's clearly having a mental breakdown. A great scene. All the creatures, how they represent those moments. So very specifically haunting Laura, knowing that moment and seeing all these creatures that represent that moment. Right. Very some great, great stuff. Right. Great stuff. Very those monsters are haunting her now. And ends with her seeing that hyper realistic bust of Max, who she starts to think is real and walks out the back door. She follows this person that she thinks is walking away from her, that she thinks is Max. And that vision that she has uh, goes to the ledge again um, and jumps off. But this time, Laura follows. And there's like, all of this is very stylized, kind of got a grainy feel to it that we're seeing this moment where she's having her mental break. And after she jumps, it's as if that roll of film plays through the projector and we're seeing the, the, the tail end of the, the film play through, right? On screen as we're watching it, as if this scene is filmed with film. Great kind of segment, right? Bravo, Natasha Leone for this segment and how it, like, Perfect, beautiful, terrifying, great. Cut to Charlie running down that same kind of catwalk, looking over the ledge and seeing Laura dead on the ground below. Similar to how Max was. Similar to how Junior was, although I don't think she looked over and saw. Maybe she did. Uh, I, I forget. But a lot kind of similarities in that from the first first episode. And that's how this episode ends. Laura kills herself. Um following this hallucination of Max over possibly my favorite episode so far. I think it is. I think it is. It's definitely, uh, it's either this or the first episode, great storytelling, great directing, right? Seems like this episode was supposed to come out like around, as I said, around that dinner theater thing. But I think because it's so good, they wanted to push it towards the end. I think they're they're kind of ramping up with the quality of the show. And in these last two episodes that we're going to get in the next couple weeks, I th- you know how it wraps up. I have a feeling it's going to wrap up well. I think Ryan, just considering this is a Ryan Johnson film, I think he knows to pay attention and to put the effort into finishing strong. Right? There's some there's some like okay episodes in the middle. But like finishing strong, that's you hook them with the early episodes and you finish strong to keep them coming back, right? Uh, also, if they kept it right next to the other New York, both New York episodes had to do with like acting and that kind of thing. I mean, one was more of a stage, even though they were TV actors, this is more movie. So maybe there were other things as in addition to this also being a much better episode. So it makes sense either way. Finish strong. I love the twitch that seems to kind of be that new tell for Charlie when she spots bullshit so she doesn't necessarily have to call it out. We can just see the twitch in her face used to perfection in this episode where Laura, for whatever reason, oh, I didn't kill Max. Oh, twitch. I didn't kill Arthur. Oh, twitch. 
Like, I didn't kill either of the Twitch, right? Like, all of the twitching going on, amazing use of that in this episode. Uh, as I said before, last episode had zero murders. This more than makes up for it with, I don't know if you want to consider it three murders, but there's definitely three dead bodies. Uh, you know, we have two potential suicides, I guess, right? Max was going to die by poison, but decides to jump over on his own. Uh, and then you have Laura k killing herself also, but three d three bodies on this one. Similar to the first episode, both great episodes, both the maximum, uh, same amount of body counts. Uh, great performances all around, great co-stars in this one. Even the, the woman that plays Laura, a horrible character, but great performance, so well written. Great directing from Natasha Leone. I hope she does more directing. Would love to see her do like a psychological thriller or a horror movie. Would love that. I don't know how much she's done if she has, but she's clearly like this episode's so good. Um, also well written, as I said. Uh, didn't really have the cheese at all. Like so many of the previous episodes, a lot of cheese, right? Last episode, let's. I'm gonna race you on go karts. Very cheesy. The almost the entire episode of the uh, the dinner theater episode very cheesy. This one not at all. This one more dark, definitely a lot darker, which I I love. Um, and again, I would love to see Natasha Leone do something with Nick Nolte, right? Have them together, the gravel voice, do whatever. Direct Natasha directing a s suspense thriller horror movie with Nick Nolte and her starring in it would love it great episode all around uh and i'm looking forward to seeing how this season wraps up in the last two episodes next episode is episode nine escape from shit mountain charlie finds herself stranded in a motel during a blizzard in order to survive the night charlie must uh decipher the deadly tension between her questionable companions Ooh. That sounds great. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. And that's a wrap for this week's episode of the Poker Face Recap Podcast. Tune in next Tuesday for another recap of the latest episode. And join the conversation by leaving a comment or a rating on your favorite podcast platform. Or if you're watching this episode like you can with all of the episodes of The Ray Taylor Show over on YouTube.com slash Inspired Disorder, make sure you smash the like button, subscribe, turn on notifications all of that nonsense. Until next time, keep your poker face on and see you next week. No bullshit. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at inspireddisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you